I'm Crispin. In this podcast, we will be listening to the Adventures in Odyssey radio show that has been put out by Focus on the Family for the past 30 years. If you grew up evangelical like us, there's a good chance you've heard an episode or two. We'll be on the lookout for themes and messages in the show that coincide with, and sometimes depart from, God's vision for his kingdom in the world. Thanks for listening with us. Welcome to the last episode of this season of the Prophetic Imagination Station podcast. Oh my gosh. The last episode? Yes. Episode of, five. Right. Of our season talking about politics. Yeah. Paul, you know, the political imagination of Odyssey. Yes. There's probably a lot we could do. Right. But we didn't want to do anymore. I think we covered a lot of the basic things. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot more. Um, However, we are going to have a bonus episode. Is that right, Crispin? Mm -hmm. Yep. It's like a Christmas episode if you happen to watch British TV, right? Yeah. They always have a Christmas episode. Yeah. That's like not really related to anything else. But it's always great. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's The Office or Doctor Who. Yeah. I was thinking of Doctor Who. Yeah. So our bonus episode is going to be that. We're going to talk about the episode that people have most requested we talk about, which is... The Mortal Coil. Why are they requesting this, Crispin? Do they want me to talk on and on about mortality? Well, it's not... I mean, it's about mortality, but it's also about hell and heaven. Oh, no! I can't talk about that on the air. So, basically, we've been putting this off because we don't want to out ourselves as heretics because... We probably align more with George McDonald. I don't know. People probably know we're slight heretics by now. That's true. Right? Okay. So anyways, <laughs> this is the last episode of this little season we're doing on the political imagination and odyssey. And be on the lookout for a bonus episode all about the mortal coil. So what I think would be really fun is if people would send us tweets or emails um just about uh, a quick sentence or two of what the mortal coil meant to them it's been requested so much so i'm curious that's true yeah so you can find us on twitter at prophetic imagine and you can email prophetic imagination station at gmail.com and let us know what listening to the mortal coil was like for you. I will get into this next time, but I will let you know that I didn't have it at my house, but I had it at my grandma's house. Okay. And I think that's why I had lots of nightmares at my grandma's house was the association with it. I'm not excited about this. I had this multiple dreams where their hell existed like behind her couch. So that is some Doctor (laughs) Who S-H-I-T right there. Okay. We got to get going, Christmas. Yes, we, we have a lot to talk about. We have an amazing episode to talk about today. But first, we want to do a little shout out, didn't we? Yes. Okay. So you'll have to pick that paper up off the floor that just fell on the floor. We're going to cut that part out. Okay. So first, we have a little shout out we want to do. Um, 
as you know, we're just trying to raise a tiny bit of money to help us host this podcast that this dorky married couple makes in their shed that surprisingly hundreds of people listen to. Isn't that bizarre, Christmas? Yeah, it's been really great. It's cool. Anyways, we need to just pay for the hosting. And um, we've had two people who've, between two people, they have given us half the money we need to host this for a year, which is amazing. And these two people are Morgan Thompson and Joel Martin. Thank Woo. you both so much. You're amazing. We love you. You guys are awesome. And if just a few more people chip in, we'd be golden. And is this a good time right now to talk about what I think the next season should be about? Yes. And we're not going to wait a whole year, y'all. No. No. We just needed to like encapsulate things by theme to help us and to help you as listeners, you know, have a narrative hook to hang your hat on. Um, so we'll probably put up a poll on Twitter. There's two directions I want to go for the next season. One is McGee and me and me, <laughs> <laughs> where we watch episodes of McGee and me and talk about it. And these are all available on YouTube. So it'd be great for the listeners. Don't you think, Crispin? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... I mean, I think that if you listen to Adventures in Odyssey growing up, there's probably like a 95% chance that you watched McGee and Me. Yeah, I was way more into McGee and Me than I was Adventures in Odyssey. So this is going to be way more nostalgic for me. But I think opposite for you, right? Uh, No, we. I, I definitely remember it. Like okay. I have young childhood memories of that. Okay. And then, okay, so that sounds great and fun and everybody can be involved, which is awesome. The other thing I want to do is I want to do a season on, like, books, evangelical books you read in the 90s, right? So I'm thinking Frank Peretti's Cooper Kid series, which I just got a copy of one of the books today, or the Christy Miller series. I mean, who else has read those? I know people have read those. I did not read those. I read the Cooper Kids. Your sisters read those books. Yeah. Okay. And Likely. what other ones? Um... I don't know. I mean, I just I, read a lot of Frank Peretti. And not even just his, like, young adult. I read Piercing the Darkness, This Present Darkness. They, like, shaped my childhood. And I, I shouldn't have been I shouldn't have been reading them when I was nine. I think you basically, yeah, you want to just process what it was like to read Frank Peretti in, in childhood. What should I call that podcast? Frank Peretti Ruined My Life. Piercing My Childhood? <laughs> oh, no, that's terrible. <laughs> Anywho, give us your feedback. What would you most want to dive into? And we want to make space for people to like get themselves on the podcast and share their own experiences too. See, if I if if I went had my own podcast, it would be just dissecting Heaven in the Real Real World by Stephen Curtis Chapman. Well, that's just your real life. That's just what you do. (laughs) You just listen to it and think about it. There is some overlap. Do we talk about this? How, like, he has that song, Burn the Ships, which is about... We did. We talked about that. Yeah. Okay. We are turning into one of those podcasts where people ramble. Mm Mm-hmm. We just don't want this season to end. I know. Okay, let's talk about this episode, Crispin. What episode are we talking about? So, we listened to Kidsboro. Mm -hmm. Uh, which was on the Truth Chronicles uh, album, which um, John Barlow, one of our listeners, turned us on to. Um, And so the whole, I mean, we could have, like, listened and picked apart every single episode in that album. Yeah, why? What is the Truth Chronicles all about? uh, I think it was, like, a strike against postmodernism, basically. 
Um, and so relativism. Yeah. Well, right. That, right. Yeah. It was absolutism versus relativism. Yeah. Right. So it was definitely about like this. The government. There was one in there that we did not listen to about um, uh, the pilgrims in Plymouth Rock. Um, but also a lot of other things, evolution and another evolution in schools episode. Um, and yeah, another this, one. Yes. And that weird one that I made you read the, uh, the plot summary of, because it sounded just like too unbelievable. That was like the Mr. Absolutism versus Mr. Relativism superheroes. Yes. Shackled by selfishness. And, but they, it never aired. Right. Which means it was a terrible episode. Half of that album didn't air, so... Well, that's weird and interesting. Maybe they were just being too heavy-handed. But they put it out as cassettes. Right. But this, Kidsboro, actually did really well. Yeah, because um, I've seen that around. Like, I think Ramona's listened to it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it made it onto, the, like, one of the classics. Oh, okay, okay. Albums, yeah. And basically what it is is these kids start off going to career day... And they're all disappointed that they don't get to actually do the careers. Uh, for example, the uh, the young woman who wanted to be a cop, they didn't give her a gun, which she was very disappoint- disappointed by. Uh, she seems like a maniac. Yeah, she's not someone that needs a gun. Hey, did you see that kid? What kid? That jaywalker over there. Stop the car. What? Alice, what are you doing? Hey, Desperado, free! Ella, stop! No. Because she was, like, running around yelling and chasing people. Um, so then Mr. Whitaker builds them houses in the forest? Yeah, he does. So He built them huts. Yeah, kind of. Just very small houses, really. Yeah. He bu- okay, here's the thing. Mr. Whitaker built a tiny city in the middle of a forest... Oh, I had some help, but uh, yes, uh, there are a dozen right now. And just past those trees, you'll find an open-air meeting hall. Wow, it's like a, a, a town. It is a town. And everybody just thinks he's a normal old guy. <laughs> and then he tells these kids, like, this, I built this for you. And now run your own world. But I'm getting ahead of myself. So there's, right. like, the police Kinda. girl. There's the newspaper girl. There was... The guy, the kid who wanted to be the mayor, and then there was, like, the inventor kid. Yeah, definitely kind of going back to Mr. Whitaker, what you're saying, kind of a President Snow sort of vibe. Whoa. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, because I was, like, as as he was talking about, like, here's all your huts, and I'm excited to see what you do. They're not really huts. What are they? They're, you, what do they call them? Clubhouses? Clubhouses? Yeah. But I was like, this is definitely the... Not, I didn't think the Hunger Games. I thought Lord of the Flies. Right, yeah. But, like, I mean, supervised. It, so that is exactly President Snow. Yeah. I mean, it definitely felt like, felt like social experiment-y. Except Mr. Whitaker always knew how it was going to end. That's true. So, because of his theology. Dun, dun, dun. So, basically, <laughs> uh, they get together, form this town called Kidsboro. And uh, start creating laws, figure out kind of what's needed, what's not, how taxes work. Um, and then eventually there is – this is a three-episode long thing, which is like 115 minutes It was total. really long. I didn't understand it was three episodes, but when I was listening to it in the car, I was like, this is so freaking long. <laughs> I thought it ended like five times, but it didn't. Right. 
Okay, so here's the deal. They don't actually figure out taxes. It is okay, I thought this I thought this was more interesting than like any other Adventures in Odyssey episode I'd ever listened to. But I I'm not sure I would have felt that way as a kid. Because it is fascinating to be like, oh my gosh, we now have a society. What do we need to do? Oh, let's have this idea. And then oh somebody, you know, the girl who always wants to be the police officer or whatever, you know, she wants to start like saying bikes are outlawed. It's our job. We're supposed to promote what is good and punish what is evil. Yeah, but who says bikes are evil? And then she would get to throw people in jail or, like, find them. And so now they have to make laws about that. You know, it's really fascinating to think about how people make laws and how you make a government. Like, all that is actually kind of interesting. But it's weird when they kind of do it in a half-assed way, right? Like, they Mm -hmm. don't actually figure out taxes. They just talk about taxes a little bit, but it never really makes sense. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, how much money do they give the kids when they enter into Kidsboro? And blah, blah, blah. You know, like, they just didn't answer any of those Well, uh, yeah. Like, at one point, they said that they had uh, – the government had $20 and they were being sued for $40. So. Yeah, and that was really interesting to me. I was like, so the way they're setting up society is, like, people who are very punitive want to make laws and then everything's ruined by somebody suing. <laughs> <laughs> interesting right yeah to think about like frivolous lawsuits are the death of a society but then it kind of gets into more interesting problems right Mm-hmm. like i mean it's kind of hard to recap this episode yeah basically it's so it kind of centers around um everybody people are having problems because they're like stink bombs being released in their homes and so then there's this whole question about like should the government how does the government regulate that is the government responsible for protecting people um and that's how that whole suing thing comes up is they um the one of the members of the government creates this solution Nelson yeah right creates this chemical that makes the smell go away but then it gets on this girl's shirt and um so then she sues them because of damages to her shirt basically and yes yeah, this frivolous lawsuit thing and it's like this whole kind of cool like i don't know what what sort of like messages did you hear from it okay well i didn't quite understand this whole thing so like there's this smell problem and then nelson fixes it and then gets the government to like basically subsidize him fixing it and then there's a lawsuit because the fixing thing stains this girl's shirt blah 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 then later on, you you find out that Nelson is the one who created the stink bombs and then created the chemicals to solve the stink bug problem or whatever. And then he tells the guy who's the mayor, like, listen to me. Like, you to do things for the common good, you basically have to create a problem, create an enemy, and then assure everybody that you'll fix it. And, like, that's how you get everybody on your side and that's how you end up doing the most good. Which I was like, that's fascinating. That's basically saying, like, you have to have an enemy. And in this case, like, you create the problem, you create the enemy, and then you say, I'll solve it. You do. And then you have people's trust, and then you can do the the most good for them. That was kind of the whole argument. I was like, whoa. That is fascinating. This idea that you, like, the government creates its own problems and its own enemies in order just to have something for people to blame, or to be worried about, to blame, and then to feel safe when the government says, we're going to take care of it. I think that's the basis of most conspiracy theories, basically. Yeah. Right. Which evangelical Christians are super into conspiracy theories now. 
Yeah. Which is interesting. Right. And also... Were they back then? I don't know. Well, this was like... This was like early 2000s was when this came out. Yeah, this out, one seemed later. It was a different wit voice. I right. Tell yeah. That. Yeah. So the kid who's who's the mayor, I totally forget his name. Um, he goes... He will go into town to talk to Mr. Whitaker sometimes about what's going on. And basically, Mr. Whitaker's like, what you have to do is you have to base your laws upon the Bible. Like, the only hope you have is if you base, like, your town laws and your kid constitution or whatever on the Bible. Well, we can't base our government on the Bible. Aren't we supposed to keep religion out of it? Well, our founding fathers sure didn't think so. They went back to the Bible again and again when they established this country. If it worked for them... Why wouldn't it work for you? And biblical values. And so what's so weird is like they they kind of like deal with that in a really flippant way, I thought. So I'm like, maybe I'm like more conservative than Adventures in Odyssey because like Mr. Whitaker's talking about like you have to base it on the Bible. And a part of me is like, yeah, you do. And then like the kids were talking about taxes and they're like, well, are taxes biblical? And then somebody's like, well, there's that verse that says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. So are taxes biblical? Hmm. Well, Jesus did say to give unto Caesar what is Caesar's and unto God what is God's. Right. So it's biblical. And so then they're like, yeah, okay. So that, so the Bible says taxes are biblical. Okay. Moving on. I was just like, what? Like, no more discussion, no more talking about what that means. Like, I think that was supposed to be a joke, sort of. Do you think so? But, well, I Because he was, was like, okay, great, taxes are biblical. And then they went on. And as a kid, would you get that that's a joke? No, I, I don't didn't think get, so. I didn't get it as a joke, but I don't have a very good sense of humor. Yeah, I mean, I think it was supposed to be this, like, oh, kids are funny. They just, like, look at one verse. But that's literally what a lot of people do. That is, like, totally what a lot of people do. Right. And what other verses did they use in there? Um, I don't know if they... I don't really remember any other verses during the episode. I remember Connie at the end talks about building your house on a rock or on the sand. Yeah. And so this theme comes back around at the end. So some other stuff happens. Like Nelson tries to convince the mayor kid. We have to lie to the people. Don't tell them I, you know, created the problem. Blah, blah, blah. But then he gets found out, and so the mayor resigns, and Mr. Whitaker was like, I'm so glad you're resigning. Like, that's the thing. That's, you know, what you should do since you lied. So you're going to resign? Yeah. I'm sorry, but I have to agree with your decision. I did exactly what you warned me about. I forgot to base my decisions on the Bible. Instead, I based them on what I thought was right. And then, what did he say? He said... You know, basically, what does he say? We'll put it in here, people, and then you can listen to us. (laughs) In fact, it's pretty similar to what's happened to our country over the last 200 years. Our founding fathers created a nation built on biblical principles, but, well, we've slowly drifted away from that, and the nation has suffered because of it. What do you think happened 200 years ago, Crispin, to cause us to stray? Wait, between now and then? Yeah. Um, I don't think that we've strayed. I think that we've just been the same group of no, people. No, I'm just saying, what what happened like around 200 years ago? Or a little less? Oh, I wasn't doing my math right. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it was the Civil War. 
Right. I was thinking he was referring to 1776. No. No, that's uh, more than 200 years ago, my friend. Right. Like I said, I wasn't doing my math. No, right. America was founded on biblical values. I'm sorry. I just feel really upset even talking about this because I was just re-looking through one of my high school history textbooks, which is a Christian, you know, homeschool, private school textbook. And the amount of time it just lavishes on the founding fathers and the Constitution and America, it's just really upsetting when it never, ever, ever acknowledges the fact that slavery, right, mm-hmm. patriarchy, like Native American genocide was built into our Constitution. And that's considered biblical? Like, I don't understand. Like, but again, reading it, if you are a white person unaffected by any of these histories, you'd just be like, yeah, this is a biblical document, sure, whatever. I don't know. Like, right. I mean, for one thing, those those founding fathers were not Christians. They were not evangelical Christians. So let's just say that right here. But secondly, I just feel really upset at this whitewashing of history. Like, even going back and reading about how the Founding Fathers were so great, the Constitution so great, it's like, oh, my gosh. Like, slaves were considered to be three-fifths of a person. And they only got that because, like, southern states wanted more representatives in the House. So they wanted their slaves counted in that way, but they didn't want them taxed. And so that's the only reason slaves were even able to be three-fifths of a person so that the South could have more people in the House of Representatives. Like, that is not biblical. Excuse me. Right. What really stood out to me is Chris literally (sighs) at the end says, like, we need to base, um, you know, we will only succeed when we base our lives based on the teachings of Jesus. But following the teachings of Jesus and the Bible are a solid foundation that we can build our lives on. And when I think about the teachings of Jesus, I do not, I just don't get it at all. Because Jesus taught nonviolence. He taught forgiveness. He taught um, that the rich should give their money to the yeah, poor. Yeah, radical like, redis- redistribution of wealth. Right. Like none of that, none of that fits into, like there's, there's nothing, I don't see anything in Jesus' teachings. I mean, it's one thing if you want to say like the Judeo-Christian, like, you know, kind of theism is there but in terms of jesus's actual teachings are nowhere in the constitution or in the u.s government or in okay i'm gonna play devil's advocate a little bit okay because i think that word liberty is interesting jesus does talk about liberty he says he came to bring liberty to the oppressed right and so i guess if you're thinking i mean the founding fathers viewed themselves as oppressed by the british right and so that's, for being taxed right. 3%. Well, and supposedly the queen and the monarchy and who knows. You know, it's a big... But yeah, taxing is taxation is a huge part of that. So Jesus did use the word liberty, but in a really specific context, right? And I'm not sure that evangelicals like understand the way Jesus was talking about liberty. And even for me, I think the more I've been in relationship with people who have legitimately been oppressed, either in the U.S. or in 
places overseas, it's just really shown a light on how free and liberated I am, which can sometimes lead to me not caring about the plight of those who are truly oppressed. Does that make sense? It's, it's led to relational distance. And so episodes like this really scream to me about relational distance. Going back and reading my high school history textbooks screams to me about relational distance. Like people, white evangelicals who wrote these history textbooks, who wrote these stories, don't seem to have any clue that their good news about the founding fathers in the Constitution of America was terrible news for tons and tons of people that has had ripple effects that are unbelievable. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So every time I hear Mr. Whitaker say, like, America was founded upon biblical values, I just want to say, like, then I don't want to be a Christian. <laughs> if right. that's the Bible, yeah, I don't want it. But here's the deal. It's not the Bible. I love the Bible. Yeah. The Bible is so much better than the Constitution. The Bible is so much better than America. The Bible truly values people right Mm -hmm. as equal and that's the bizarre thing about the founding fathers they did kind of go on and on about people being equal and free and then they saw no problem with enslaving people and denying the vast majority of people in america rights because the only people who had rights were white landowning males so it's always been the minority who's had power and privilege and got to claim Biblical values being good for them. I don't even know where I'm going. I just got really upset. And I'm like yelling at you and you're just like (laughs) looking at me and you're so nice. You deserve to be yelled at by me. I was was thinking about that because you were reading to me out of your textbook about how it's a – how the U.S. is set up so that it's not – it's not a true democracy, right? But it's that, a democratic republic. Right. So that means that there are, is an elite class that rules. Well, you know. Uh, I was thinking about this. Um, so there are a lot of themes here and also in Tom Vermeer, for those of you that uh, listened to that, which is another relevant episode uh, about government. Um, it's always about corrupt politicians, and which is kind of cool well yes is it (laughs) i mean that fits the republican view of like that's why we need small government because so here's now look at us i mean it's such a mess right i mean republicans are incredibly corrupt and everybody knows that now so here's the thing is like yes i agree with that part but then how come there's not how come they don't assume that businesses are like business people are corrupt as well? So, I mean, I think that's the thing is like people generally evangelicals, like Republican evangelicals are like all against like want to limit power uh, of the government, but don't want to limit the power of like wealthy corporations or the other exception is if it's a Christian in power. Yeah. Right? And if it's a Christian, yeah. then they can't be corrupt. Yeah. Danielle and I have talked about this before. Like, is there a way to be in national politics and have integrity? And we guess no. Yeah, I don't I don't know. 
I mean, every and this is just not just politics, but like any position of power and privilege, there is this constant weighing of like, do I stay here to do the most good? You know what I mean? There's so many different ways to compromise in order to like reach people. And that's what I liked about this kids bro. I was like, the mayor kid was really swayed by that argument of like, here's how we can work for the common good. And I love that phrase, the common good. And I'm like, yeah, I know people make compromises to do what they think is for the common good. Like that's a really common thing. So here's, here's something positive. I have something positive to say about Odyssey Christmas. Wow. Is that crazy or what? You also said something earlier that you're more conservative than Mr. Whitaker, which I also thought was worth noting. I take the Bible seriously. I'm a super big literalist when it comes to the words of Jesus. I'm a fundy about it. Yeah. And it doesn't mean, we've talked about this before, it doesn't mean I do it right, but it like anguishes my life that I don't live up to the words of Jesus because I take it so seriously. Anywho. It does anguish your life. <laughs> Chris <laughs> can attest to that. Um, so I like this episode just because it's such a fascinating experiment to think about how you would go about creating a government and just makes you be like, it's a horrible job. It's really complicated, really complex, but it is an interesting thought experiment. And it just reminded me of someone on Facebook was challenging me and possibly you, I can't remember, in the Christ in Pop Culture Facebook group, uh, Benjamin Fort, if you're listening, shout out to you. He was saying, like, you and Chrisman should try and write your own Adventures in Odyssey episode and see how hard it is. You know, since we're, like, always critiquing it, like, we should try and do that. Try and do, like, an interesting story for kids, somewhat centered around Christian themes or values, without making it, like, super moralistic or boring or convoluted or whatever. And I was like, oh, my gosh, yeah, I couldn't do it. Like, that is so hard. So then I was like, man, I shouldn't be so hard on Odyssey, except the whole dominant culture, Republican Party, Donald Trump, get more power narrative that has led us into great trouble. But all that to say, I I love this episode because it kind of showed that. Like, it's just really hard and really complicated and really complex. And I was like, yeah, I think that's true. I think we're supposed to be holding power accountable rather than seeking to hold power because that is tweetable i think there that you say it again uh (laughs) what did i say (laughs) we're supposed to be holding power accountable accountable not seeking power and i will i will yeah seeking to hold power i will gladly uh cite the mennonites on that because that has basically been their thing since they were started in like the 1500s they're so great which is, yeah, basically, like, I mean, they take that verse of Jesus where he says, there will be no kings or leaders among you. And they took that to mean, like, that means that we're not supposed to hold positions of political power. Um, and so what that means, then, is you, especially because you're not seeking political power, um, and you don't really have a lot to gain other than looking out for the common good, um, it puts you in a position to hold power accountable. And I think it is hard. And I think, I mean, we end up in this situation a lot where we're holding power accountable and it seems like you're just not happy with anything, but we're not happy with the way things are. And I don't think... And I would say we're also actively working for the common good in our own lives. 
What right. you say? Yeah, I think so. I mean, like, should I've, we get really specific here? Sure. Okay. How are how are some ways that you hold power accountable? Um. So. Go like how do I hold power? Are we accountable? Writing in the local paper <laughs> about uh, different organizations in the neighborhood. Yeah, we are we are going after developers who we feel like are being immoral and not listening to the neighborhood. Who they asked their opinion, by the way, and they said we need affordable housing, and they're building market rate housing. So we're actively sticking our necks out. And saying this is immoral, this is wrong. Right. We're helping um, grassroots organizations in our neighborhood work to help people find affordable housing and to ask our local city council to do some, not rent control, but to start to think through how can we help tenants in this housing crisis and how can tenants start to get rights because we're way behind the times, right? Yeah. Um, not like it's power, but... We do email our pastors. We're squeaky wheel mm-hmm. in in their ears. Um, we right when there's what financial peace university being taught. Yes, we talk about that, and then <laughs> we. Te- I mean, we text and call our state representatives. Um, yeah, I think there's different ways to do that, and then in real life, you know, like I want affordable housing, right? And so that's not the only thing I want. I want there to be safe communities and so that's why i teach free english classes like in our neighborhood because there's very few places people can gather and you know be together and start to create resource sharing and all this stuff that's why in the summers like you help out on saturdays with kids like a kids program because there's nothing to do Mm -hmm. it's all about building community building safe spaces for kids strengthening families strengthening relationships so you know, I think the critiquing thing does get old after a while. Like, I think you have to critique power and then you have to, like, immerse yourself in grassroots community building. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think... Uh, One without the other kind of annoys me. Right. And I think the other piece, too, is something that we learned from our time in Interchange, which is uh, an organization of... Uh, people that have been working in poor communities. So we are learning from people that had been in ministry for like 20 years, um, is that you you start out by listening and learning. So whenever, not whenever, but most times we're going and we're like complaining or critiquing, it's usually not necessarily something that impacts us personally, but it's us going and saying like, hey, um, we don't know if you know this, but like, This is going to impact our neighbors who don't, you know, have the time or resources to go to city council meetings on a a Tuesday afternoon. As I get older, the more I see, yeah, you know, I think power is incredibly corrupting. And something like Kidsboro seems to sort of solidify that in the minds of kids, right? Although, in the end, it all works out because the kid who resigned ended up being reelected and now he's like, now we're going to do it the biblical way and everything's going to be great. And that's kind of how it ends. And that's where I was like, uh-oh, uh-oh, is that like what pays away for Donald Trump? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like as long as you have biblical values, you should definitely go ahead and build your own utopian kid society in the woods, which is kind of what it feels like people are wanting to do right now. Yeah. I was thinking about uh-huh. that uh, Brian McLaren 
uh, interview with Ben Cott on the Replacing Church podcast, uh, where he talks about all these people coming out of evangelicalism and like critiquing it and saying how horrible it is. And he was like, you know, at the same time, if you think like, oh, I'm going to start something that's really great and it's not going to have any problems. Like he's like, I don't trust those people at all. Yeah. So I think that's as Christians, the reality that we live in is that like, no matter what, what structure we're a part of, like there's going to be problems and it needs, there needs to be that voice of saying like, all right, what, like, how are people being impressed? How is injustice present? Like, because it's going to be present in some way. Yeah. Because we're not And to say we're going to do it, pi- like, perfectly because we're going to do it biblically, that's a huge red flag. Yeah. Huge. Right. Right? Yes. Sounds a little cultish. Yeah. And even for me, like, this is still a deep desire I have that I'm still working through. I want to be perfect. You know, kind of like... My operating mode right now is I want to be a good white person, you know, and that actually is really unhealthy, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's just another way of centering whiteness. And so why don't you break that down a little bit? Well, you know, just thinking like if I had my own government, I would want to do it perfectly, make sure there's nobody being oppressed. I do everything great and I still get to be the, the star of the show, right? The perfect mm-hmm. mayor who does everything right and everything good. The reality is I am definitely going to make mistakes and I'm going to be called out by people. I'm not going to do it perfectly. And so what do I do? How do I go through life trying to be perfect? It's just, it's a miserable way to live. So I need to learn. I was talking to a friend today. She was talking about the importance of um, curiosity. Mm going through life. So being curious about other people, being curious about where you're at and showing up after you've been critiqued, Mm -hmm. right? And showing up after you've been told you've done it wrong, learning how to be humble, learning how to forgive yourself and others. Like these are all way more important than me presenting myself as a perfect, good person. Cause that's just not true. I'm not a good person and I need other people around me to help me live out the words of Jesus. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. Oh, should we just end the podcast now? <laughs> right. No, but I think that's it. I think there needs to be, there needs to be room for like, all right, what am I doing wrong? And, and you know, how can we move forward or how can I receive criticism or critique, especially if it's uh, places of power? Yeah. Um, that's. So I would say, I would say div- diverse com- community is our version of checks and balances. Yeah, right. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, being friends with people who are Muslim, people who are poor, people who have lived in generational poverty. You know, all these relationships have just so broadened and expanded our viewpoints, right? Mm-hmm. And our perspectives on power. Right, yeah, definitely. And our perspectives on our history textbooks that we grew up with. Yes. I mean, that's what's... So interesting. It's by the grace of God that I can go back and reread that and say, oh my gosh, they left out every mention of slavery when they talk about how amazing the Constitution was and how amazing the Founding Fathers were. Like, that was on purpose. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's really hard. I think that's the thing a lot of evangelicals are grappling with. How on purpose has this all been? Mm-hmm. This quest for power. Right. This quest for our own kids' borough. 
Well, and it's that's this is basically what it is, is what we're talking about is exceptionalism, right? Like people talk about American exceptionalism, but the idea of like I can do it perfectly and anything that I didn't do perfectly doesn't fit in my narrative. Right? Yeah. Like there's no space to say like, yeah, the US Or like, God was gonna use it for his glory anyways. Have you heard people do that? Yes. Yeah. Right. That's what my history textbook said. Are you talking about slavery? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh. Yeah. What do you think in like 20 years our daughter will have a podcast talking about how she grew up? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Who knows what she'll have a podcast about? Yeah, we'll see. There's literally no way to tell with that one. No. It will be something amazing. Ransom will have a humor podcast. Yeah. Our son. We never talk about him because he's only two and a half. <laughs> right. <laughs> but he did have, we have this 10-year-old iPod and some old headphones and he was listening to Adventures in Odyssey tonight. Starting him young, Crispin. Yep. Starting right. him young. We're so weird. We let our kids listen to Adventures in Odyssey and then we go and record a podcast critiquing it. Yeah. Although... We always do a podcast on all the ones that we don't let her listen to. That's so true. Generally. I asked her if she thought about kids, bro. She didn't talk to me about it. She's like, I don't want to talk about it. Is there anything that we didn't hit on politically? I mean, there's so much that we didn't hit on. But, like, is there anything when you think about the evangelical political imagination where they're in, yeah, anything that's missing? No, I think kids, is a great one to end on because ultimately it is about power. And if you have biblical values, then you should pursue power without any unpacking of what they mean when they say biblical values. Because I get the sense that me and the writer of this episode have really different viewpoints. And we would both say we are trying to live out biblical values. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think that's what... So what do they mean? Well, I'm wondering this. They never spell it out. That's what's so infuriating. They just say biblical values like a billion times. They never actually say what they mean. I've been thinking a lot about, I mean, we keep on talking about power, but how do you not just, because we are politically active, as we talked about, in well, these like local ways, right? But then, remember what your friend Matt said about me? Yeah, right. So my friend was like, you guys don't really seem political, which is because... We're not super into the Democratic Party. Right. Yeah. Because we're not. No. We critique them too. Right. Got to critique everyone. They are into power as well. Right. I think some of our values align more with their policies, but not all of them. Yeah. And we live in a Democrat state. That's the other thing. Right. Yeah. So they are in power here. Yeah. But it is interesting. Yeah. How do you seek to influence the world without seeking power? I think it's just like a really, because of course we're all, everybody is trying to influence the world according to their values and what they think is right. Yeah, I don't have an answer to this because I'm still trying to get over my own savior complex. Yeah. Because policies matter. I mean, they do. Yeah. They really, really do. It's interesting. We got married 10 years ago and I was just thinking about then, like we just knew nothing about politics at all. I wrote in Jesus for president on my ballot. Yes, right. I voted for Obama. Did you? 
Yeah. I'm not sure. I think... I don't know. Maybe I didn't. I don't think you did. No, I think I just didn't vote. Yeah. Um, So we had the luxury of being apolitical. But at the same time, we're still sort of apolitical. Now we're really... We're into local politics. Right. We're like into school board voting and stuff like that. That was what I told my friend is... He's like, you don't seem very political. And I'm like, yeah, well, we're actually like pretty politically active on a very local yeah. scale. And that's what I'd suggest to like anybody who's listening to this is like, find out what's going on. Who's on your city council? Yeah. Find out what's going on in your neighborhood. For example, um, there are just so many people that are at the risk of being displaced in our neighborhood. And the city council election and mayoral election are coming up this fall and nobody is talking about rent right renters rights it's right. just like not on anybody's radar so, so we are gonna put pressure on them our job to put it on their radar yeah if it's not on their radar they won't get elected right right christmas that's what we're trying <laughs> trying to get get people to care that live in our city or we're like in a little suburb so thanks so much for listening this season guys I feel depressed and hopeful. Yeah. And depressed again. Because, like, listening. <laughs> it's a lot of emotion well, in a small amount of time. Listening to this episode is like dealing with the history of evangelicalism and how we approach power. Yeah, it's just really hard. It's still really hard for me to recognize that evangelicals, white evangelicals, are the ones who put President Trump in office. And it's just. It feels like so much chaos, you know, in the quest for power and um, it's such a mudding of what biblical values are that I just, I'm not sure, I'm not sure American Christianity is going to recover from, which I'm like, okay, at this point I'm fine with that. And I am very excited to see what a fresh wind mm-hmm. of the spirit will look like, but it's still just, you know, a lot of stuff. So Thank you all for listening to our little mini season about the political imagination odyssey. If you have any thoughts, if you think we missed something really huge, please let us know and um, be on the lookout for our our bonus episode Yeah, on mortality, hell, death, eternity. That was such a like uh, closing of the circle because we started this podcast January 2017, uh, right around- Before the- inauguration. Right. And because Trump was elected, and so we're like, true. we need to like process evangelicalism, and yeah. also talk to other people about it. And so, a year later, we we're way more involved in local politics. So there that's we go. True. That's something. Yeah. Right. But yeah, we really appreciate you guys listening. Um, we're excited about what's next. Please send us tweets and emails um, about the mortal coil. Yeah. Or, yeah, of course, about that. But do you want to hear us talk about McGee and me, or do you want to hear us talk about Christy Miller? Or Stephen Curtis Chapman. No, or Frank Peretti, <laughs> piercing the darkness, all the little kids getting demon-possessed because they did yoga at their preschool. Well, I mean, what should we do? So please let us know. We will listen to you because we are a true democracy here. Except I am a really slow reader, so we will probably choose McGee and me. No! And me. <laughs> I will read the kids' books at the same rate I will read any, any I'm going to have to books. do my own spinoff all about Christy Miller. Yeah. I know nothing I about I will have it. five devoted followers. It'll be amazing. That'd be, be great. Okay. Well, thanks for listening. And go out there 
and start to agitate your city council people. Yeah. Why don't you go out and try and start your own government in the woods? Just like Mr. Whitaker did. Thanks for listening and go out and be Leslie Nope this week. <laughs> that was my best. <laughs> my best shot. Okay, let's end it there. This has been an episode of the Prophetic Imagination Station. Check us out on SoundCloud or iTunes and stay tuned for weekly discussions.